Welcome to the show. First batter is a strikeout for Tucker Davidson. Who's this Tucker Davidson? Started a game in the World Series for Atlanta. Did he? Yes, he did on that one. Sure did. That's a strikeout. Where's the strikeout for Tucker Davidson? His first. A one, two. Tucker Davidson starting to get a little feel here at the big end. Swing and a miss. Tucker Davidson strikes him out. Welcome to the Arm Barn, the newest podcast added to the Just Baseball Network. I am your host, Peter Apple, but I will be playing point guard for our center, which is Tucker Davidson, the left-handed pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. I'm really excited for this podcast, Tucker. You and I have been talking back and forth about getting on the mic and just talking baseball, something you know best and something I'm trying to do. But of course, you're the player. So we're going to be really happy to hear all of your insight, whether that comes from, you know, your day of pitching or anything across Major League Baseball. But first, how are you, man? Spring training, right? Thanks for the big uh, introduction. Yeah, uh, doing good. Uh, Spring training's full Full steam. So uh, it's been good. Games are underway and it's been busy mornings and boring afternoons. So I've been playing a lot of golf, but enjoying it. Yeah. So what is like, uh, before we kind of get into what people should expect from the podcast, obviously, you know, it's it's tough to talk to players about what kind of their spring training regimen looks like, right? Because I think a lot of us think, yeah, they just go out and play and that's all we see on the television, right? We don't know what happens beforehand, what happens afterwards or anything like that. And you've been through a couple of spring trainings now. Yeah. So pretty much you practice before you play You're you've got a full day ahead of you. And that's regardless if you're playing that day or if you're not playing that day. So today was, I pitched yesterday, so I had a relatively easy day, but we had a uh, fundamental day. So like fundamental defense where we had all the nine guys out on the field. We had pitch come in and we were just running different situations of, Hey, when we put this pick play on, everybody's got to know. And it's kind of just running it through. Everybody hears it on pitch calm. Boom. All right. We're back picking it second here. All right. Everybody knows what we're doing. Everybody's on the same page. And just like with the new rules and everything, we're, we're learning on the fly. Just like if this runner breaks at this point, we're going to throw it to here. We're not going to throw it here. We're going to do this. We're going to pitch here. Just kind of learning the new rules, everything adapting. But typical morning, I'm waking up at 630, getting there at about 715, eating breakfast. We stretch around 930 once games start and then go stretch throw. Um, If we have a team fundamental that day, we do that. If not, just uh, PFPs, pitcher fielding practice. And then we're kind of done for the day. We go condition and then hitters will do BP and pitchers do whatever they got to do the rest of the day. If you're pitching that day, you're probably going to be hanging out a little bit, but if you got to lift or arm care, whatever you got to do that day. So that's kind of a typical day. And then one o'clock uh, every day, there's a game. So if you're, if it's a home game, we have to stay for a couple innings, watch the starter. But if it's a road game, you're out of there at 10, 30, 11. It's, it's kind of great whenever there's a road game. Cause you're like, Oh, I can hit a tee time at noon. You are living the dream. Not only are you a professional baseball player for the Los Angeles <laughs> Angels, you're on a team with a certain amount of good players, including Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. We might see a lot of them in the World Baseball Classic. So in this yes. episode, we are doing a full World Baseball Classic preview. We're going to give you some of teams that we think can win, but also just kind of going over the players. Obviously, Tucker's been around the game, knows some of these guys, maybe some guys that we haven't heard of that he's heard of really want to hear obviously your insight but first I have to ask you this question because I just saw it recently uh Shane McClanahan was on MLB Network and he was doing a really cool interview kind of adjusting to the Mm -hmm. pitch clock right like as a pitcher yourself it seems like at least for me I love it so far like of course Mm -hmm. 
I have always been a proponent of I'd rather have 200 games, but those games be two hours and 30 minutes instead of 162 games. Like I want more baseball, but that doesn't necessarily mean I want the game to last so much longer. And what Shane said was it took a little bit of time to adjust. He felt that he was really rushed, but then Mm -hmm. he started to realize, hey, I feel like I have to pitch because I see the clock going down 10, 9. But then I think I still have 10 more seconds to get set. So what has the adjustment been like for you? Was it like that where it was really rushed initially, then you've gotten better at it? Or is it still work in progress? Or did you hit the ground running? I always worked fast. I got to learn from it last year in AAA. So that kind of like gave me a head start this year where I was kind of helping guys with like, hey, you have more time than you kind of think. Like The only time you really have to rush is when you look up and you're coming set and there's four seconds left. You're like, oh, I really got to get up and go. But really, it's kind of slowing down. I remember the first inning, uh, my first outing, first hitter, I was like out of breath. And I was like, hey, you have time. You can still have eight seconds on the clock, like you said, and you can just sit there and hold. And yesterday, we really haven't seen many pitchers like holding, 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 holding until it was really yesterday. It was uh, Mike Myers versus uh, I think it might have been Joe Adele. Joe called time and that you only get one uh, time call as a hitter. So Mike sat up there on the mound until there was one second and then picked up his leg and that hitter was sitting in there for 12 seconds. So that trying to be locked in on a pitch is kind of the biggest thing. So I think it's in the pitcher's favor right now. And it's going to probably continue because the batters are the ones that swinging at the pitches in the dirt. And they're the ones I need the mental reset. But the biggest thing we're trying to figure out is you give up the double in the gap and you're going to back up third. When is the clock starting? Is it whenever you get the ball back is when you're on the mound? And that's why we're kind of the gray area. And I think like MLB is trying to like find out like the perfect answer. And I think having all these spring training games of like, it's as soon as it hits the pitcher's glove, then, but the first baseman can't hold it. And there's just like different instances. So we're trying to like figure out and trying to just maximize the amount of time out there. So we don't just give up free strikes and free balls. And that's why I'm so excited about this podcast, because not only are Tucker and I going to be breaking down his starts, Mm -hmm. talking about general news in Major League Baseball, and this is a perfect year to start it because we have a guy on the mound with a new rule in the pitch clock. You know, of course, there's been different baseballs that have been put in play. There's so many Mm -hmm. different things that are happening consistently in Major League Baseball, and Tucker and I are going to be sitting down once a week and talking through all that, but while also diving into stuff like the World Baseball Classic, just overall fun stuff that's happening in baseball that's of course sometimes out of both of our controls like a world baseball classic all-star game world series like Mm -hmm. you might be in both of them but we're just going to talk through them get the best insight from a player like yourself besides that like the listener what should the listener kind of expect from you on this podcast like what do you want to bring i guess it's more of a behind the scenes kind of look of just like, it might be just what I did that day. And it's a little bit different because what the fancy is really, we hit BP pitchers kind of stand out in the outfield and then they sit up, sit on the bench and that's kind of about it. And then they pitch every fifth day. And I think that's kind of not what goes on a lot. I think a lot of it depends on a lot of things happening behind the scenes of how's your body's feeling this day. Oh, you pitched two days in a row. You're down today. And it's like, why didn't so-and-so come in the ninth? It's like, pitch five out of the last seven days that's taxing on the body we need him in august just like different things that we can kind of learn from and just to continue to adapt and i think just i'm very analytical so i can dive deep of why this pitcher's good or why this hitter is so good or what makes this hitter really good like yesterday i was uh, throwing to the royals and salvador perez is just spitting on sliders and i'm having to watch this video today of like why do you spit on sliders why do you look the ball for it up just like different things like that so hopefully bring some knowledge and just the little inside tips and tricks that i can maybe give some fans 
Yeah, we're going to be covering all things baseball on this channel from his tips and tricks behind the scenes stuff in Major League Baseball and, of course, overall Major League Baseball news from the inside of a player who's on the Los Angeles Angels and will be pitching every fifth day. So World Baseball Classic, just a quick kind of um, little overview so what people should expect mm -hmm. if maybe they've never heard of the World Baseball Classic, maybe they're new to it, maybe there's some diehard fans out there. Um, so the World Baseball Classic is going to start on March 8th, and the winner-take-all game is on March 21st at Lone Depot Park. Um, this is the fifth World Baseball Classic ever. The last champion was the United States. Uh, they won in 2017. Japan is the only country with two titles. They've won in 2006 and 2009. And then the Dominican Republic is the only other country with the title, taking it home in 2013. So the WBC has actually expanded from 16 teams to 20 teams. And these 20 teams are going to be split into four pools. So five teams per pool. And then these teams are playing each other. And then everyone else from pool A is going to play pool B and pool C is going to play pool D. And the original pool games, they're going to be from March 8th to March 15th in Taichung City, Taiwan, Tokyo, Japan, Miami, Florida, and Phoenix, Arizona. Then the winners of these pools will play in Miami March 15th to March 18th. And then, of course, we have the winner-take-all championship at Lone Depot Park in Miami, Florida. I think it's a good start to just go after and look at each individual team. We can start with Team Cuba, who I think is the prohibitive favorite here. Um, they're led by guys like Yoan Mancada. They're led by guys like Luis Robert. They have a good overall team but in my opinion pool a seems like the best balance of power right there's some huge huge favorites in the other three pools but this might be the most fascinating pool because it seems like a lot of the teams are pretty balanced i definitely agree i think uh i think cuba's probably got the the upper hand advantage i'm glad mlb players are able to play this year they haven't been able to in the past so i think just getting the least robert out there He's a big MVP caliber. I think you had that quote the other day, and I just was blown away when I played him in Double A and continued to watch him kind of in the big league. So I'm very excited to watch him. I think like even Tim, Team Italy. Like I was talking to David Fletcher and just like, what do you expect from your team? He's like, I think we're gonna be able to hit, and it's really just got to be able to save the bullpen, especially in these early games. Everybody I've talked to is kind of like, we gotta save our pitching because after the first game, if you use six, seven guys, like that bullpen's not really in mid-season form. They're not able to do back-to-backs right now and just those different things. So everybody I've talked to is like, we got to save our pitching. Hopefully we can get some length from starters if they're built up. But I think the biggest thing is just saving the bullpen and hoping the bats come alive. So you spoke about Team Italy, and I want to talk about them in a little bit. I think a sleeper, uh, maybe not a sleeper because they do have a good team, but the Netherlands, the Dutch, mm -hmm. you know, they have Xander Bogarts. They have a good overall team. I guess my one worry is, of course, pitching, yes. um, because when we talk about the starting rotation, we talk about the bullpen a little bit. It's not maybe as strong as the Cuban team or maybe some other teams kind of in this, you know, same bracket. But yes. they do have some power bats, um, even a guy who I think played over in the um, in the MPB. Um, his name, he's an outfielder. His name is, uh, it starts with a W, Ballantine. You know, Vladimir, Vladimir yes, Ballantine. I want to say, I, I, say I home runs in a single yes. season. I want to say I played him like early in my like 
lower minors before he went over. I think that name sounds super familiar that, or I'm just remembering him hitting 60 home runs. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think, yeah, this group is definitely, it's, it's very challenging for the Dutch, I think with just the pitching, but Xander Bogarts is going to be the team captain. He's going to be kind of the face of that. And I think he's going to rally that group. And I think the lineup's good enough and defensively they're going to play good enough. It really comes down to pitching. Yeah, it does come down to pitching. Like some a pitcher that you might recognize, Pedro Strope. He's in mm-hmm. there. Um, I don't know if he's going to be coming out of the rotation, but I know he's been a great bullpen arm uh, for a couple I would of different. Assume teams. he's going to be bullpen just based yeah. off of his history and just hey, we're going to give you the eighth or the ninth inning and just go shut it down. I was thinking Strope could be like a opener, like you know how the Rays do it every every day. It seems like every like, day. It seems he, like, yeah, yeah, every. <laughs> so like he might go like two to three innings to start, just get him off to a good start. But that's that's one of the more recognizable names. But Team Italy again, you were saying you were talking to your teammate David Fletcher. Like he's got to be really excited for this team because they have some good players. Yes, he he was very excited and he was he was more nervous for the flight I think than playing in the games actually. He was like, I don't know what I'm going to do for 17 hours on that flight over there. And uh I think it was just kind of funny, but he his biggest concern was they didn't have a ton of power bats. I think they had some guys drop out that really were going to bring some power to that uh to that offense and so he was more of like we're going to have to put put together ABs, we're going to have to grind it out. We're going to have to move guys. We're going to actually have to play a little bit of small ball is and not just worry about Oh, so-and-so is going to hit a home run here. We're going to be fine. So I think it's kind of locking in on defense. They, He was talking about the arms in his bullpen and just being very confident in them because he was like, they might not be well-known in the MLB aspects, but he was like, they're throwing 97 still. He's like, they might be in AAA, but he's plays. like, the, it plays. And it I plays. think like from, from high A all the way to the big leagues, if you're throwing 97, it plays. And I think that's just the biggest thing. And I think a lot of people, it's baseball and it's going to be a one game anything can happen. So you get out to, you get to the starter and you score three runs and then your guys on that day, anything can happen. So I think that's the biggest thing, but he was just big on, we got to get, collect some hits together and just put some runs across the board. So Nicky Lopez is, I think going to be on that team, right? Or at least he was listed on the roster, but I think the most exciting player on team Italy plays for the Kansas city Royals. And I really hope, because you said they might've lost some power bats. I'm really hoping that Vinny Pascantino is actually playing for team Italy. I don't know if you've seen him in spring training, but last year he came up and like his back end data, like his batted ball profile is insane. Similar zone contact percentages to like Jeff McNeil, like oh walking <laughs> almost every day. Like he has crazy power. I know a lot of Royals fans are really excited about him. We ranked him pretty high on our top 10 first base list on just ba- on the just baseball show and on just baseball.com. If you want to check out that list, like we are very big fans of i think it's called the he's called the italian breakfast the italian breakfast i yeah. think is his nickname or something like that okay I, but I Vinny like that. pascantino is a guy to know have you ever have you come across him i know he's really really young he i think he had a no, so short we, cameo in the bigs last year we i came up there in the braves uh organization so we never played any of the kansas city teams uh i think lexington was one in low way but like i never played them like personally it was one of the one teams in the uh south atlantically that we didn't play and i was kind of like why didn't we play the i think they were the lexington legends yeah yeah and i think that was kind of like the weirdest thing of like you play some teams in the minor leagues and then there's teams you do not play at all like i've played the cubs a couple times i play the rays all the time but then there was like kansas city um the diamondbacks like played them like once that's it and so you like look at guys like i've never heard of this guy but i think just like looking looking at it i mean 
the Italian breakfast. That's a good nickname. Mike. It's a good nickname. Wow, that is a good nickname. So I'm excited for him. I think Italy's going to bring that. Like, there are a lot of experience. I think they've got a lot of big leaguers that know what to do. And as I'm reading your notes, it looks like Matt Harvey's going to be on that team too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's some good experience to put yeah, it. Nicely. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we had the dark night uh matt harvey from a couple years ago yeah but like now it's like it's more than a couple years ago like it's almost been a not a decade but what has it been like seven eight years since that yeah probably i think i was in high school or college during that so yeah Yeah. but still i think like even the name will bring a presence of in that clubhouse of like that's matt harvey like i'm gonna follow him i'm gonna see what he how he goes about his business and different things like that only thing that stunk they lost jordan romano he pulled out yes i did i did see that yeah i was looking forward to watching that he's one of the best closers in major league baseball right now yes but i want to i want to um i want to give you my pitch for the biggest okay. sleeper in this pool because as okay. we both said i think there's like there's a lot of good teams in this pool and it might be the most entertaining just because of the balance mm-hmm. but when balance comes chaos follows and chinese taipei chinese taipei back in 2013 they were ranked fifth in the world They're a really cohesive unit. This is a team that's been playing together for a really long time. They also have home field advantage because it's a relative home field advantage because it's going to be played in Taichung City, Taiwan. So they have relative home field advantage. They have Yu Chang, who is an established big leaguer. They have the Chinese Baseball Professional League MVP in Li Lin. They have some good guys, but it's really a cohesive team. Like you've played on the Braves. Now you're on the Angels. You know, you can look at a stat sheet and say, oh, this guy's really talented. You could look at the miles per hour on a fastball and say, this guy throws gas. But there has to be something to a team that plays together, especially in a format like this. I think Chinese Taipei could be the team to make it out of this pool. It wouldn't shock me. I think teams that always like play together, I always joked about it when like you were younger. And if you like your club team went on to play in high school together, you just had such a good vibe of already. Everybody knows everybody, the pitchers and the catchers and everybody. There's no, hey, how, what do you throw when you're like throwing your first bullpen together? It's kind of like, I know exactly what this guy's going about his business, how he's going to do it. He likes pitch on the inner third, just whatever the case may be. So I'm not, I'm not shocked that they that your sleeper pick at all because I think they're going to be well trained, well disciplined, and ready to make some noise because they're rolling into this in a pool that they win a couple games, they're advancing. I don't like it's not like oh we got to worry about the Dominican or or whoever the United States. It's like no, we win one or two games and we're we're right back in there. And Team Panama is the last team in this pool. And um, they have some pretty good players. I know Christian Bethencourt is their catcher, who's the catcher last mm-hmm. year for the Rays. But Jaime Berea is a guy on the Angels, and yes. he's probably going to be on Team Panama. Have you spoken to him about the maybe the excitement surrounding the team? I know a lot of people like John Morosi. He came on um, MLB Network and was talking about Team Panama, kind of like the way I was talking about Chinese Taipei, just as a team not really anyone's paying attention to, but could end up making some noise. Have you spoken to Berea kind of about the chances of Panama? just kind of talked to him was just like how are you feeling about it and everything and he his big thing was like i think we're gonna be able to pitch the ball pretty well and he was like that's really the biggest strength he said that they had he was like 
I'm really big on our pitching, uh, hitting. We're going to have to do some damage. He's like, we're going to have to take advantage whenever we get into the big opportunities. So he was big on that. And I think he's going to get to start a little bit because he's been getting stretched out. He's competing for the sixth spot as well. So I think he's going to start and he was looking forward to it. I think he leaves this weekend. Everybody's kind of leaving this weekend, but they haven't already left. So he's looking forward to it. And I think, I think they would be, if I had to pick, I'm going to go Cuba, Italy, Chinese, Netherlands, Panama, honestly. Interesting. Kinda, so you, that's kinda, you, have, you have Cuba coming out of the pool. I do. I do. I think that teams, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they got enough yeah. superstar power to kind of lead them the way. I think Luis Robert, is, if you, I don't know if they give MVPs in these for the pools, Freak but talent. I think he's going to be the MVP. He really is. I mean, we all compared him so to kind of like Trout. Yeah. Mankata is incredible too. Um, yeah. That, that little call, uh, Chicago White Sox coming up when I was in the minors was unbelievable with him. Sees. Mankata, Luis Robert, it was just unbelievable. So I think Cuba's going to come out of it strong. I think they've got enough MVP power to kind of just over overwhelm some of those teams. I'm putting my name on the line. Give me Chinese Taipei. All I right, love let's, it. I let's, love the let's, let's move over to Pool B. And uh, this pool is, with all due respect to the other four teams in the pool, this is the Japan pool. Japan yes. is the prohibitive favorite, and their team is crazy. Their team yeah. is crazy. So for Japan on the pitching side, I would argue it might be the best overall pitching in the WBC, even though only two guys are currently major leaguers. Obviously, Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. the best player in the world, is on Team yes. Japan. He's going to be heading the rotation. Following him is you, Darvish. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. He pitches on the yeah, Padres. just signed good. an enormous yeah. extension. And then, but guys, I'm really excited to watch. Roki Sasaki, young mm-hmm. phenom, touching 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I think he's, what is he? Did he throw back-to-back no-hitters or something nuts like he that? He went like perfect game, 18 strikeouts, and then backed it up with a no-hitter with like 15 or something. Well, sitting 98 to 102. He's with 20. Yeah, he's 20. I even asked like Shohei, and he goes, he's he's really good. And I'm just like, okay, okay. And Shohei even said he was like, that. he might be the best like Japanese pitcher, right? right now like this minute and i was like even over you and he was like eh, like kind of like one of those and i was like all right we'll see how he does when all he right, gets yeah. out of the states yeah. yeah i think shohei at least has a right to say eh, pump the brakes i might yeah. be one of the better <laughs> offensive players but i might be even better at pitching like that's just yes. how good he is um but a guy who i think is sort of flying under the radar just because of how loaded team japan is not because he's not anything special yoshinobu yamamoto Mm-hmm. this guy is 24 years old now. So from ages 22 to 23 in the MPB, the dude has put up a 1.54 ERA with over 400 strikeouts and 386 innings. Back-to-back Cy Youngs. I think it's called the E.G. Samomora Award in the I MPB. Right. This guy is a stud and he's the four starter. Like he's like, I mean, this rotation is like you put this rotation right now in Major League Baseball. It is one of the better rotations in Major League Baseball. At least that's what I think. I saw Yoshinobu throwing 91 mile hour splitters. Like, what are these guys doing? What are they? What are they eating over there? I I don't know. It's more of I want to know how they throw their splitters so hard, because generally most Americans that throw splitters, they're 85 tops. I feel like every Japanese pitcher that comes over they throw 91 on our splitter so i'm just like how do you throw it so like so hard i'm trying to throw a splitter and i'm like i show him i was like how do you throw it harder he goes i 
he's like, it just started coming out harder one day. I was like, okay, that doesn't help. But I guess he does throw a hundred whenever he wants. I have two hypotheses. I think that's how you say it. Um, yes. I have two of those. <laughs> and I want to run this by you too. One is it does seem that every Japanese starter comes over throwing a splitter or some sort of forkball. Like it's when we're all grown up playing baseball. Like I grew up and played high school baseball and and now mm-hmm. I talk about baseball. So obviously I wasn't that good at it, but they start like when we start throwing curveballs or changeups and as sliders usually come down the line, like you don't see like nine-year-olds throwing sliders, maybe a curveball, right. maybe a changeup. But I think their first off-speed pitch is normally the splitter or the forkball and then also the ball in the MPB is a little bit smaller. It's slight, yes. but it's a little bit smaller. I think it's a combination of those things because Yamamoto, he's maybe touching 91 with the slider in the MPB, but maybe he comes over to 89 or something right. like that. Is that something that makes sense? Is that something that you've heard? The biggest thing I've heard of guys coming over to the States is the the slickness of the MLB ball. It just mm. it's a cue ball. I'll be honest, it's a cue ball. Yeah. And you get the like the Olympic ball or the Japanese ball. There's a little bit of tack to it, and it is a it's a little bit smaller. So I think that's the biggest adjustment. Most Japanese pitchers, I don't know if this is true or not. This is what I feel. Um, the first year they kind of struggle, and I think it's getting used to the ball and just like the different playing atmosphere because there's a lot of things going on and like the, the Japanese, like it's very big things going on all the time. And I've heard that from the Latin American, just like the crowds a little bit different versus here. We've got a lot of like video board stuff going all over the place of like, make some noise. Like that's not really a thing in Japan. It's more of the crowds doing chants themselves and doing different things or the Latin America, they're beating on drums or whatever the case is to create the crowd noise versus in America, they shoot it up on the scoreboard and it's like, make some noise, make some noise. So that was the biggest thing I've heard is the change. And then really the balls. Uh, Every pitcher I've heard is like, it's, they go to throw the pitch and it feels like it slips out and it's like there, it's like, it's wet to them. Yeah, and we have a lot of Japanese, you know, pitchers starting in Major League Baseball this year, whether mm-hmm. Kodai Sango with the Mets or Shintaro Fujinami with the Oakland A's. Like, I'm really excited to see these guys. But, you know, there's always the the growing pains, right? You're traveling, yes. you know, across the world, playing in a completely new environment with culture shock yeah. players. Like, for example, I, I assume like the Mets and the A's, they have data on players, but it's there's a language barrier too. like Ichiro offensively came over and just hit the ground running. But even a guy like Shohei, Mm -hmm. when he first came over, right, wasn't he dealing with a little bit of the injury bug? He wasn't quite the Shohei. And in 2021, he literally went crazy in the 2022. He did basically the same thing again. But there's always that learning curve. So maybe as, you know, as you sit here today, you probably see the talent of Senga and Fujinami on the Mets and the Mm -hmm. A's, but you're not expecting them don't expect them to have the same stats as they did in the MPB, which is totally fine. Right. Like say Suzuki came over and he was like a thousand OPS guy in the MPB he comes over 770, but right. next year he'll probably be better. It just takes a little while, but these guys are still so talented. Yeah. I think under a four or five in your first year coming over to the States is honestly a big pat on the back of just like a lot of times the Japanese pitchers are throwing on six days over in Japan to come over to America. It's a five day. That's a completely new schedule of, how you got to prepare your body or you've obviously got to have a translator you're doing different things you're traveling across the country you got east coast different time chains i don't even know if there are time chains and ch- uh, changes in uh japan i have no idea 
So I don't know if that's like a factor of like, or why are we on East Coast one time, West Coast, Central, it's just kind of different. So maybe that has something to do with it. Another team in the pool, Korea, uh, Tommy Edmond is going to be on mm-hmm. the Korean team. Yes. Um, ha Seong Kim. So, I mean, imagine that double, that middle infield, like no balls getting past those two. No. Nope. And then they have um, Kwang Hyung Kim, who, if I'm not mistaken, lefty, I think he's been in the bigs for a little bit, maybe up and down, but I do remember that name. This team, at least from what I've seen, has a lot of people thinking they're like the big team to watch, kind of mm-hmm. not the prohibitive favorite, which they're kind of graded as, but people are kind of calling them an underdog. They're kind of in this weird position where I think everybody knows they're good, but are they good enough to beat a team like Japan? I just don't think so. That's why I call this Japan's pool. It's no disrespect to Korea. If Korea was right. in pool A, they might come out of that pool. If they were in a different pool, they Agreed. might. But it's just Japan is so loaded. Like, have you heard anything about Korea? I really haven't. Uh, I know more about Australia just because I have Aaron Whitefield on my team. So he's playing center field for him. And that's really about it. Korea, yeah, it is Japan's pool to lose. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest challenge for this entire pool is how are you going to compete against them? Are you going to face Shohei Otani or you Darvish? And those probably, I would assume, are going to be the first two guys to throw for them, at yeah. least just because they're going to want to be, their teams are here, going to want them to be on a similar schedule. That way, when they advance and they go on to play, they're ready to go in five, six days, whatever the case may be. But I think... I think it's more of, can you get to one of the Japanese starters and can you hold that offense? And I think Australia has a good chance to do that. Korea, I think they're going to be able to hit the ball, but it's just, are you getting Shohei that night? And is Shohei on? Does he go four innings or is he going to throw 50 pitches in eight innings? Because I'm sure he could do that. And that's why Japan is so deadly, because let's say it's not Shohei. You want to deal with Darvish? Yes. You want to deal with Roki Sasaki. You want to no. deal with the Yamamoto. It's like there's no off days. With other teams, right. Like you can find kind of the off days where, all right, now we got to turn the bats on today. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a shot. Like I love no. Japan. I, we're going to talk about you know who might win the whole thing, but Japan is definitely one of my favorites. Moving on to Australia, I'll leave the floor open to you. What have you heard about them? I played with John Kennedy a couple years ago. He was a six, seven uh, left-handed pitcher from Australia. And I think he's playing. I want to say he was on the roster. If not, he was like an alternate, but he, he was always talking about years ago of just like the difference between going over and playing Japan and Korea was the, the amount of depth that they have versus Australia. So I feel like that was the biggest thing that Australia is going to lack is just the depth of Say the starter gets knocked out in the second, they're going to have to, they're really got their work cut out for them. So they, they're going to need length out of the starters. I think the bats are going to be a little bit, a little bit there. I'm a little worried. Just, uh, I'm going to go back to the Japan thing, but I think if they go up against like China or the Czech Republic, I think they're going to come out with that, that win just out of those two. I don't know who they play the first game, but I think just overall, they're going to be a good defensive team, but it's going to come down to just their depth pitching wise. And then what Japan has to deal with is teams like China and Czech Republic, who like Australia and Korea can probably go, you know, bang for bang. They can they can hit with them or at least make it a competitive game. My issue, and I hate to be rude, but China and Czech Republic don't really do anything for me. Um, I don't really see any big league talent. I'm there's some minor leaguers in there, but they're like far off minor leaguers. Right. It's just they're going to have some fun. You're going to have some yes. fun. That, that might be like a like a tune-up game, you know, just kind of, hey, yeah. Darvish, you got three innings today. We're really wanting you to get locked in. So when we go to Miami and we have to face the Dominican, 
we want you to pitch that game. So it might be, hey, get your three innings of work and then you're done. Don't worry about anything else. We've got it all covered. And I think it's going to be one of those of that's the day that they need to get their bats rolling. Whenever they play China, they need to get going in there and be like, we need to put up 15 and make a statement that we're not here to mess around and that we want to win this. We'll see. This is the USA pool. Have you seen their lineup? Have you seen the finish lineup yet? No, I haven't. What is it? It is nuts. Trey Turner's at short. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, Mookie Betts is in right field. Yeah, he's he's all right. Uh, Mike Trout. Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, that guy's kind of good. That yep. guy's really good. Pete Alonzo, who uh, had 131 RBIs, tied Aaron Judge <laughs> last year. Kyle Tucker hits sixth. Uh, could be an MVP candidate this year. Nolan That's... Arenado. Ever heard of him? Yeah. Catcher. Who's the best catcher in the world, probably? J2 Ramuto? Yeah. Yes. United States has got him. And maybe the best second baseman, maybe second after Altuve? Yeah, they have Jeff McNeil, too. Yes. I mean, this team is crazy. No but holes. would you say pitching is a, is a slight hole with this team? Because obviously there's no hole with Clayton Kershaw. But Adam Wainwright, like, you know that Wainwright in these big moments is probably going to come through, so I wouldn't call that a, a whole butt in spring training like he's 86. I don't know if he's working on right. something. It could be just an Adam Wainwright. Just I just got to see the strike zone and just kind of hit my spots, and then I'll ramp it up later. Um, but, like, Brady Singer, Michaelis, Lance Lynn, like, I'm holding them to another standard now. Like, the yes. USA, like, I'm comparing them to the Dominican Republic and Japan. So if I'm splitting hairs and saying, oh, the hole is pitching, it's just the hole compared to the other greatest teams in the world. I agree. Overall, this team is incredible from top to bottom. Like, Brady Singer was so good for the Royals last year, and I think he's going to keep going. He was a big start, Florida, mm -hmm. first-round draft pick, and just really got locked in. And and then you got Lance Lynn, who's just yelling F you on the field after he just feeds you only fastballs. <laughs> like, this team is going to be so exciting. I can't wait to watch it. But if I had to nitpick, it'd be the pitching. I think the bullpen's better in the starting rotation, just because Might I be. think the, the I think it is. I mean, you got Dylan Tate out there, and he's going to probably throw it the fifth, sixth inning, because it's just... It's going to be unbelievable. But I think, I think Adam Wainwright's going to be kind of the backbone of just, like, I'm going to write us like give me four innings. And then just that's kind of the thing with this lineup. You only need, if you give up three runs, it's going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to score seven. Yeah. yeah they're going to score seven. So I think even like going in and like, all right, we can keep this nine innings under five runs. We're going to win every single time because yeah. that lineup is going to produce. They're going to go on a long inning and all of a sudden it's going to go Trey Turner hits base hit. And then he's still second. And then Mookie drive hits a double. And then Trout Goldsman's right behind, and then, <laughs> and, then Trout, and then go back and back, and then it's five to nothing, and you're like, what just happened? So I think that's the biggest thing, and I think that's probably the way they went, was let's have the best lineup, and then let's have a really good bullpen, and then let's see what starting pitchers. I was expecting a little bit more maybe a Verlander or DeGrom or Scherzer, and so I don't know if like big contracts came into play or agents or teams were like, no. So I don't know how that came into play and just like that different thing. But I really kind of expected, especially after the last one, seeing like every, like Stroman really balled out in that last one and then became huge superstar after that. I was expecting to see maybe some more like superstars that we are more well-known kind of, hey, I'm going to be the anchor. I'm going to be the ace of the, uh, rotation. But it ended up not happening. But I still am very excited about the arms that they brought. You share a locker room with Mike Trout. Has he said anything about the team yet? 
Uh, and I mean, he he knows how good that team is and how that lineup. Because he'll like joke like, "You see that lineup? Like it's the Dodgers, and then it's like Dodgers best lineup in baseball, or you want to call them." And then it's like, "Oh yeah, we like tripled the Dodgers lineup with just like JT Romuto, Paul Goldsmith." It's like you just pick oh what position you want. I want that guy, and it's like, "Yeah, I'll play." So yeah. very excited about that. But he's been very excited. I think he's really excited to like get there and just be around those guys and kind of just be really, like, "Hey, let's go win this." Absolutely. Moving on to the next teams, um, Team Mexico is sneaky. Team yes. Mexico is, I think, the underdog of this World Baseball Classic. I agree. Think of it like this, Tuck. Team Mexico is arguably the best pitcher in the pool in Julio yes. Arias. Was second Great. in NL Cy Young voting last year. Has been to the playoffs with the Dodgers and it's just been a dog in the playoffs. Like We need a mm-hmm. bubble on Savant that is like the ex-dog in him. Because Urias is at 100 on the baseball mm-hmm. savant bubbles. But they lost Alejandro Kirk, which stinks. Yes. But familiarity, who's the backup? Austin Barnes. Yeah. So that's like a that's a good pairing. And of course, they have your teammate Patrick Sandoval in the rotation. They have Tywin Walker, uh, who's now for the Phillies, and Jose mm-hmm. Urquidy for the Astros. And then them in the bullpen. They have one of the best relievers in Major League Baseball, Giovanni Gallegos being the closer. And then Luis Sessa, who's been like a spot starter, but is a really good Mm -hmm. bullpen arm. He was on the Yankees. Now he's on the Reds. He's going to kind of handle the setup duties. And the lineup isn't as crazy as the United States. It's a pretty good lineup, though. (laughs) Randy Rosarina, Luis Arias, Jonathan Aranda, Joey Manessis on the Nationals, Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran, Alec Thomas, Alan Trejo on the Rockies. Like, they have a full major league team mm-hmm. on offense, and I would say they have better pitching than the Team USA. Like, how is Patrick yeah. thinking about this? He He's very confident in it, and he's like, I think we're going to give US, like, a run for a moment. I think Julio's going to start that game, and then I don't know if they're going to piggyback with Sandoval because I think they were talking about that early on. I don't know if Sandoval's going to get his own game now or whatever that's going to end up actually happening. But he was very confident of just like, I don't know who they play. I think they put, might play Canada first game, and then they play the United States. And he's like, he thinks they should be able to beat Canada. And then he's like, going to the United States, I think they're going to have enough like confidence, swagger, and just like, this is David versus Goliath right now. Let's go punch him in the mouth. We know all these guys. Let's go beat them in like sold out crowd. I can't even get a ticket. I've been trying to get a ticket for two weeks right now. I asked Santa Boys, dude, I already bought like 20 tickets for my whole family. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll, I'll try to find some other way, but I th- he's very excited and he's confident. And that lineup's not bad. Like I- I'm looking at it like Verdugo, like incredible hitter, loose eyes, great hitter, Jonathan Aranda can't get him out ever. And I think it's just one Good. of those like, you- and then you have playoff Randy. In the spotlight. Playoff Randy, yes. In the spotlight where he really loves to shine. So I think just that, that lineup's going to be good. They're definitely my sleeper. I think if they could make some noise and beat in the U.S., and I, that would really start turning some heads around. I kind of think they do. But we'll talk about that a little bit when we pick our winner. What Team Mexico does has, because you said David and Goliath. David's beaten Goliath both in 20, 2006, 2006, yes. and 2013. So they have history there. And something that I found that was really cool, so obviously it's being played in the United States, whether whether it's in Arizona or Florida, right? Mm-hmm. The last time these two teams played, like 2006 and 2013, it was in Arizona, and the crowd was 70% Team Mexico fans. They are loud, and it's almost going to feel like a home field environment 
for Team Mexico. Obviously, you yes. can't predict what kinds of fans, but looking at past history, they have filled up the stadium and they've beaten them twice in these games. So they have the upper hand thinking, yeah, it's David versus Goliath because you have the United States and it looks like an all world team basically because it's like mm-hmm. we're an all MLB team because you're picking all the best players basically in Major League Baseball. But Team Mexico maybe doesn't have that top end firepower. But in one game, I have Julio Arias and I have like home field advantage and I got playoff Randy and I got a team that's confident going into it. USA is on upset alert, dude. Yes, I agree. I will agree on that game. Upset alert there for the United States. Upset alert there for the United States. Um, And then going further into the pool, um, I think Canada does have a shot, though, to knock off Team Mexico. Of course, one of my favorite players, Kyle Quantrill for the Guardians. He's on the Mm -hmm. team. They have Freddie Freeman there with Canada. Like, they have some good top-end guys. Losing Nick Pavetta, though, for the rotation was tough. Yeah, that does hurt. So it's like... Yes, they just don't have the talent that Team Mexico and Team USA does. But it's again, it's another one of these scrappy teams that you don't look through the lineup and see a ton of stars, but you see top end guys that could like a guy like Freddie Fermi could win a game by himself. Cal Quantrill could just throw six shutty. And like, what are you going to do? Like they just beat you. So it's like one of those teams that if you get them in the right spot, they can be really dangerous. I agree with that. I agree with that. Canada, they're very exciting. I think Freddie's going to be, he's going to win a game for them. I think he's going to go three for three, one game with a home run. And they're going to win like two to nothing or something like that. And just had a really good game. And they just pitched well. They did everything right. And then they had one of the best first basements in baseball do his thing. There you go. I would, for my money, Freddie's the best, even over Goldschmidt, even though he won the NL MVP. But that's for another discussion for another time. Columbia is a tough discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Columbia and Great Britain. Um, with all due respect to Great Britain, they don't really have anybody. Colombia, though, they do have some players. Yes. Um, I would put Canada above them. I really would. I do think this is going to be between Mexico and the United States. But is there anything that you've heard about Colombia that makes you think, hey, they could be a little bit sneaky? I think their pitching is going to be a little bit better than, we, uh, than we're going to give them credit for. I think. I think like they the have big leaguers. Yes, they have big they have leaguers big like leaguers, they yes. have Gio Urshela. It's just in a loaded, yes, they're just in a loaded, loaded bracket where yeah. it's like, oh, you don't have 10 big names that crush a lineup or in your rotation. So I think that's might be their factor. But again, they're they're gonna be able to pitch, they're gonna be able to hit the ball a little bit. It's it's more of the depth thing. That's what I'm getting to these smaller countries that aren't as is equipped with all these MLB superpowers is more of how is the depth is the drop off after the starter gets out. What is it going to be like? Where's the bridge guy? How's the setup guy going to be? But as I know how baseball works, there's always going to be a guy for each team that throws 97 and it's going to play and he's going to punch out five and two innings. And it's going to be like, who is this guy? And I'm like, Oh, he's in triple a with the pirates. And you're like, yeah. I never heard of him before. I'm like, you will, you will, you will. And that's, what's so much fun about the WBC. One thing I do see a slight path for them to winning Jose Quintana, I mean, he's a great pitcher. He's great yes. last year, and he's now pitching for the Mets. Uh, they also have Reaver San Martin, who's on the Reds. Stint mm-hmm. as a starter, truthfully, was terrible. But once he moved into the bullpen, really, really good. So he could be a guy where Quintana goes five, and then Reaver San Martin goes two innings or something like that. Right. And they can make it through the ball game. And they have Gio Urshela. They have Donovan Solano um, at catcher. They have Jorge Alfaro. So they mm-hmm. have guys. 
They're not yeah. Canada with the top end, but they have guys. Yeah, you're getting the back end of Julian, uh, Julio Tehran's career. I mean, you're not getting the 24-year-old stud in Atlanta that he was. You know, yeah. you're getting the back end of that. So I think that's that's where they're kind of at. And but I think they're going to be one of those teams that you can't just like sleep around. And that's just I think the biggest thing of this tournament is if you're the better team, you got to put them away. You can't let these teams kind of hang out. And that's seventh inning, and it's a two to three game. And all of a sudden somebody hits a double and then they go back and they hit a backside home run. And all of a sudden it's like, we just lost and we should have won because on paper, the United States should play and the Mexico should be coming in second. Pool D has the Dominican Republic. So when we were fawning over the United States lineup, let me read you the Dominican <laughs> Republic lineup. Julio Rodriguez in center. Juan Soto in left. Vladdy at first. Rafi Devers at DH because they have Machado at third. Juan Franco is probably going to play some second base because they have Willie Damas at short. Then you put in Teoscar Hernandez and then Gary Sanchez at catcher. But did you hear the news about Vladdy? I did not. Might be a little bit banged up. It's currently Uh-oh. questionable to be in the World Baseball Classic. And there has been kind of some noise about um, you know, people say the USA has pitching problems, and, but people say that the Dominican Republic have pitching problems. And I don't understand that. I can understand about the United States. You know, it's a couple of older guys, but still, they still have good pitching. But the Dominican Republic is going to have Sandy Alcantara starting game one, who yes. just won the unanimous Cy Young in the National League. Then following him, they have Christian Javier through a no-hitter in the World Series. Then following him is Roancy Contreras, who has some of the best stuff of any young pitcher in Major League Baseball for the Pirates. Why are people saying that they're weak on pitching? I don't understand it. Yeah, and the crazy thing is I think Johnny Cueto is going to have the best outing of all of them because he's the veteran, and he's going to know everybody in that lineup what to do. He's going to shimmy on him. He doesn't have a pitch clock to worry about, and he's going to do fine. But, yes, I think the pitching is definitely better in the United States. The lineup's crazy, and you left somebody out there, and he was the World Series MVP, and he might be sitting on the bench at some point. That's and, what I'm which saying. Is unbelievable. Jeremy what do they Pena do? Might be on the bench. Yeah. What do they do? So Willie Adams, Juan Franco, Jeremy Pena, and then they also have like Cattell Marte and Jeet Segura. Yes. What do you do? I don't know what to do. Whoever's hitting good, I guess, is is going to play that night. But I mean, That's... their bullpen is ridiculous too. I mean, Brian Abreu, I don't think let up a run like the second half of last year. Diego Castillo. I mean. I mean, I'm just Gregory Soto. Maybe like, Garcia. Who's the nine? Yeah, who's going to pitch the ninth? I mean, you got five closers on here. And <laughs> Gregory Soto, even remember him yeah, on the like, Tigers, and he's on the Carlos Estevez is going to be our closer this year, and he's and he's great. What he's, yeah, he's going to what pitch the sixth inning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this it's we're laughing because it's funny how good they are. Like the United States, I think the United States actually, if Vladdy is banged up. I think you can make the argument that the United States lineup is better, but just from a team, from a roster standpoint, is this not the best World Baseball Classic team you've ever seen, at least from a roster standpoint? Yeah, I think it is. I think just hands down or it's like, tell me a hole. And I'm like, uh, when I find one, I'll let you know. You know, it's one of those, I mean, bullpen loaded, starting rotation loaded. I mean, you got the Cy Young winner from last year. You got... Great catchers, great infielders, great outfielders. Yeah, they're going to be very tough to beat. And I think it's one of those of you hope you get on the board early off one of the starters and then just pray the bullpen has an off night. 
the other team in this pool, Venezuela, they're also loaded at catcher. Salvador Perez and Omar Narvaez is certainly going to work. But in the infield, guys like Altuve, Luisa Rise, who's now on the Miami Marlins, mm-hmm. Andres Jimenez, who just put up a six-war season for the Guardians, kind of out of nowhere. But then they also have guys like Miguel Cabrera, who you know is going to be such an important person in that dugout. Guys like Glaber Torres, Eduardo Escobar, Eugenio Suarez, Luis Renjifo on the Angels. Yes. Like this Venezuelan team, they have to be so excited because, of course, you also have Ronald Acuna Jr. in your outfield. Yes. But do you know what's kind of been happening with Venezuela in the past couple of WBCs? Like has Renjifo kind of told you what's been happening? Because Puerto Rico is a team that's kind of always beat them in this format. A team like Dominican mm-hmm. Republic has always beat them. But this Venezuela team has so much talent. I don't know if you've heard from Renjifo, maybe just like your own opinion on it. Do you think this is finally the year that Venezuela takes down the DR? Or is the DR just too strong? DR might be too strong, but if there is a Venezuelan team to do it, it's definitely this team. And I think I think they're the second best team in this pool, even over Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico's pretty loaded. But I think, I mean, just like from Altuve to Miguel Cabrera to their starters to their bullpen, they're pretty stacked as, as far as what they've been in the past. So I definitely think this is the best team that they've produced in the last couple of years. So excited for that. And I mean, just Acuna, he's going to be, he's going to be on one because he's going to want to be able to show out. He's going to be in a big environment. It's going to be that Latin American vibe in Miami and he's going to enjoy it and want to be the superstar that he is. So I'm expecting big things out of Acuna. In Puerto Rico led by Francisco Lindor. And we all remember, this is why Puerto Rico is must watch and not even because they're also loaded with big leaguers, but Javier Baez, I think kind of became a star from the World yes. Baseball Classic back in I think 2017. It was the tag. The tag. It was the yes. tag. Like he, those two up the middle <laughs> is, I think, as must watch, even over like the United States has a great up the middle duo. So does right. the Dominican Republic. But in terms of a flair, in terms of excitement, yes. Puerto Rico might be the most exciting team from a visual standpoint in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, just that Latin flair up the middle is just going to be so beautiful to watch. I just like want to see all the double plays turn, like just walk them or get a base hit and then just roll ground balls to them. That's all we want to see. And then obviously I think that tag thing for Javi Baez was kind of like the the stepping stone to like put him on a new level because I mean, he's not even looking, pointing at the catcher and just like, I got you. And yeah, it's just unbelievable. But I think they're going to be, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Just, I think they're, they're a little hungry. I think from the last WBC too, of just like wanting to make a a name for themselves again. And I think just the biggest thing is they're going to want to take down the Dominican and they're going to be throwing everything they got them. They're going to be trying all different things. And I think it's, that's going to be some, some crazy like wacky baseball. It's not just going to be a typical thing. They're going to be trying to hit and runs, button guys over, trying to do stuff to get get the ball or get the bat back to Acuna at the top of the lineup and just different things. But I'm excited for, uh, not excuse me, Acuna, Lindor. Um, and just like enjoying like being there and facing Venezuela and Dominican, they're going to go off. So I'm excited. They're going to go them. off. I'm My thoughts are this pool seems to be the best pool of any of them. I know Pool C has mm-hmm. Mexico and the United States, but when you have the DR, Venezuela, and Puerto Rico in the same pool, I'm kind of upset because I think all three of these teams, if they were separated differently, we could all potentially see them in the title game. 
And it just kind of stinks for Israel and Nicaragua that they just got thrown in this freaking yes. mayhem of just loaded teams who are all going after each other. And then you have Israel and Nicaragua. And I don't want to diminish these two teams, but it's just at some point it's like there's a different in talent level. Yes. It's like in college baseball when an LSU faces a Lipscomb. Like there's just it's a different <laughs> talent. Could could any team win on any given day? Of course they could. Yes. Yes. Like Major League Baseball, it's way different because you know it's the World champion Astros against the Nationals of last year. They're all Mm -hmm. big league teams. Any team can win on any given day. They're all professional athletes. Anyone can win. But in formats like this, when a team is like an all-star team of those professionals versus a team that's like one, that's the tough part. But is there anything about Israel or Nicaragua that you want to touch on before we uh, pick some winners out of these pools? Expect Jock Peterson to do something kind of cool. Um, I think it's really cool that he's playing for Team Israel. I think he's going to bring some type of flair to that, and I think he's kind of going to get them on the hey, we can beat these guys. And especially, I think they play the Dominican, so they're going to be big on like let's take them down. Like they're they're the big guys. Let's go out. Let's go out and do it. Zach Wise is on my team, and I just kind of like asked him, was like, well, what do you what do you got on it? It's like I think if we pitch well enough, I think we can surprise enough people with the bats. He goes, I'm a little worried if it's three nothing two like. 2-0 or whatever the case is late in the game and you get to their bull, the Dominicans bullpen or Venezuela's bullpen because he's like, I don't think we could compete and match up to them. But other than that, he was excited for it and he's like, we might make some noise. He's like, any given day in baseball, especially in these games, anything can happen. Love that. And that's why the World Baseball Classic is so awesome. So Pool A, your pick is Cuba, correct? Yes. My pick is Chinese Taipei. I'm going out a little, live okay, a little okay. bit. I so like I'm going it. with Chinese Taipei. You got Cuba, and then I think we both have Japan coming out of Pool B. Yes, and I think we both have Japan beating either Cuba or Chinese Taipei. Yes, I'm. I'm going to go with like a 15 to one game uh, when they do play. Yes. Yeah, that's why I think Japan has such a good shot of winning because it just mm-hmm. feels that their path to victory is a little bit easier than. Team USA playing Mexico, then playing the DR. Like, there's such a gauntlet in Pool C and Pool D. But what the Pool C and Pool D lacks in, or excuse me, what Pool A and Pool B lacks in talent, they have to make up for in travel. Because they'll be traveling from Tokyo to Florida and then have that quick turnaround. Like, you're a guy who's obviously traveled all over the country. You got to, you know, you fly in, you get ready, maybe get a good night's sleep, and then you pitch. Like, how much do you think the travel will be an impact on these teams? Do you think it will matter at all? Or do you think it's a slight leg up for, like, the teams coming pool C, pool D, who just get to stay in Miami and Arizona and then play? I think the teams that are staying in Miami, I think that's going to help them out a ton because the the flying is a huge aspect, especially getting tied pitchers. It's like 15 hours from Japan over here. So it's, yeah, not... it's not flying from Atlanta to Los Angeles. It's flying from yeah. Tokyo, Japan to Florida. I mean, that's across yeah, the like world. It, it's a big, it's a big jump, but I, I'm trying to figure out where jet lag is. And because I've had people who are like, I get to Japan and I'm like wide awake, ready to go. Huh. And then whenever I get back to the States is whenever I'm crushed for a week and can't get back on the system. So I'm wondering if they're going to fly yeah. over, be fine. But been been uh, but by the time the finals get is when they're going to be hit of like the jet lag after a couple days. So that's what I'm trying to figure out on this of how are they going to react? How are they going to be? Are they going to send half the team early? Like 
pitchers early, are they going to, who knows how their travel is? Are they all flying first class? They have their own plane. Are they flying commercial? What is the travel like? You know, are they stopping somewhere, practicing for a day and continuing it? That's what I really don't know. 15 hours on a plane does not sound fun. That's why this podcast is awesome. I'm going to bring you the best baseball analysis I can possibly bring, (laughs) but I can never answer that question. And that's a question that's been a guy who's traveled all over the country playing professional baseball now for a few years. Like for me, I can say, yeah, I was jet lagged and then I had to record a podcast like and I was kind of tired. I don't have to pitch in front of 50,000 people. It's a completely different thing. So me saying, oh, yeah, I'd be jet lagged. Yeah, no shit on the plane. I'm eating like Cheetos and then I get in and I talk about baseball. Like it's a completely different thing. So hearing that, like I totally agree. Maybe when Japan comes there, they roll and then it gets to the title game and they face a team Mexico, USA, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, and they get blown out. Even if Shohei's on the mound because everyone comes out flat because – they're jet lagged. Like that could be a real possibility and we might see that unfold. But first let's pick a p- winner out of team or pool C and pool D. So Mexico and United States, I think should be the picks here. I think Canada I has like that late flair where they're, they're a possibility and they should be considered here. But in my opinion, I'm going with team Mexico. I think they okay. pulled the upset again. I know like I was born in Santa Barbara, California. I live in New York city. <laughs> I am an American and it's egregious for me to say, yeah, I'm picking against my own country, but here's how I thought about it. Here's how I rationalized it. Okay. If the United States wins. I'm going to be happy regardless. I'm going to be down there in Florida covering the WBC in the booth or not in the, I'm not going to be in the booth, but I I'm going to be me, yeah. covering yeah, credentials. So I'm going to be happy if they win, but if I get my pick right and say Mexico wins, I'm happy either way. Is that kind of a, is that a pussy move to do? Am I doing no, that? No, no, yeah, that's no. That's a good move. It's not a bad a move. It's like, hey, my pick is Mexico, and you want them to win. But at the end of the day, you're like, oh man, if US wins, I'm not gonna be mad. You no, know? I'm not gonna yeah, be upset. Yeah. I'm gonna be ecstatic. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Mexico. I'm hedging happiness, kind of when okay. Guardians Yankees, because I'm a big Guardians fan too. You know, when they played each other, I was just like, I hope both teams have fun. So <laughs> no, but <laughs> so who's your pick? I I'm going to infer your goal of the United States. I'm going with the United States, but Mexico I think is going to be the other team. You're already the podcast favorite, according to the listeners. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> coming out of Pool D, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela. I think this is the toughest one because now you have three. Pool C is tough. Because, of course, there's the top two who are really good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, three really good. No wrong answers, but how can we not go with the DR? I mean. Yeah, I'm definitely going DR for sure. And then I'm going to go with Venezuela. I think Jose Altuve is going to bring some magic to it. No, but you only get to pick one winner. So, yeah, those two oh, are yeah, advanced. Yeah. But those two, Like yes. the one winner oh, the one, coming yeah. out of that pool. DR, DR. I think they're just too much to handle. Sorry, Venezuela. Okay. So now we have DR versus USA for you. For me, it's DR versus Team Mexico. Dominican Republic versus the United States. Who wins? I'm going to go to the United States. I think oh. that's when we're going to get like our Wainwright game where he's going to go six inning shutty, punched out like five or six, and Mike Trout goes three for three with a double and two home runs. That's my I wouldn't. I wouldn't be me if I didn't believe in my underdog story, and I believe in Team Mexico. They've never won a title before, and I think they get past – the Dominican Republic, I think it's going to be so, – that might be the loudest stadium ever recorded. 
That might be the loudest yeah, thing I've ever heard. I'm interested to see like the decibels of like how long, like how loud it's going to be. be. Like is the big house in college football. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to compare to some uh, Premier League like soccer games and stuff like that? It's going to be absolutely electric. So you have the USA advancing. I have Team Mexico advancing. Yes. And then to face Japan. Is the USA beating Japan, Tucker? Okay, so the number one question I've gotten from all the reporters this uh, the spring training has been Trout versus Shohei. Who, who's like going to win that battle? Shohei's pitching, Trout's batting. And I go, this is kind of the way I've said it. Fastball, like Trout knows it's coming first pitch. He might get it. It's probably a 50-50. But if it gets to two strikes, I think Shohei's got his favor because he's got – five pitches to go to and one of them is a hundred mile an hour fastball another one's a best slider in baseball the other one's a terrific splitter so i think that's oh man i have to go to the united states because i just believe in them i believe like what that lineup can do and i think that lineup's good enough to knock out one of those starters but i am worried about the starters from japan of just how good they are and how locked in they can be and they can just dismantle that United States lineup and just shut them down for seven innings and then turn it over the bullpen and the United States blinks. And it's like, what just happened? So I think it's going to be a battle, but I'm going to go with the United States, United States. All right. I, you know, right now I have team Mexico versus team Japan. So no country allegiance for me. I'm just going to look at, you know, the guys <laughs> on paper who I think is going to win. I've done a great job here of, of removing myself from country allegiance, which could either end up being a bad thing or a good thing. I'm going to go with team Japan. They just have too much talent. And, like, they've been yeah. good in the WBC before. You got Shohei. I just can't get over the pitching. Because even if Shohei, yeah. starting that game, let's say he does poorly, which he won't, but let's say he does. Because it's baseball and anything can happen. What if they throw you Darvish in after him? And then let's say you Darvish yeah. runs. Well, they got Roki Sasaki coming in after. But a really exciting player on their offense that I'm really excited to watch. First, they got Lars Nupar. Like, they have so many big leaguers on the mm. Japanese team, but Munitaka Murakami. I think he's going to be the World Baseball Classic MVP. Ooh. As a 22-year-old in the MPB last year, he should be posted in about two years. He's like the next great power hitter coming over from the MPB. Munitaka Murakami hit 58 home runs in the MPB, beat Sadaharu O's single-season record for home runs in the MPB. As a 22-year-old, Triple crowns, MVPs. This guy is a freak. He's like what Roki is as a hitter. It's okay. except it's he the one that all these home runs off of Dar- Darvish. He is a yeah, okay. freak. He is yes. a freak. And he's like you say I was coming over. This guy has like similar or better numbers at a younger age. Like okay. this guy is going to be really good. As a Yankee fan, I want him in pinstripes, but what are we going to do? Like, we're probably not going to get know. him because it's going to cost. Yeah, we, we never know. But as like, that's a guy who I'm on the lookout, who I think is going, you're going to turn on the TV, watch Team Japan, and you'll see this third base and be like, who the hell is that? It's Moon and Takamurakami. Remember that name? I got okay. Japan winning the whole thing. So you got USA. I got Japan. And this was the arm barn, the first episode Tucker, this was awesome. I can't wait to keep breaking stuff down with you. We start with the World Baseball Classic. We're going to be doing stuff in season. We're going to be having a ton of interviews with big leaguers. It's going to be great insight to inside the clubhouse of the Los Angeles Angels and teams beyond that. Because, of course, there's going to be starts where you face the Royals, for example. And you get to see Vinny Pascantino. And you get to let us know kind of what you're seeing. Tons of great insight, too. Obviously, like, 
plug your social medias because I'm of course people follow you, but I'm sure maybe they follow your Instagram, not your Twitter. Let people know where, of course, they can find you besides watching you on the uh, t- Instagram television. Is, Instagram is Tuck Tuck. Uh, TikTok is Tuck Tuck as well. And then Twitter is Tuck Tuck 6, I believe. So Perfect. give me a follow. Um, Going to be doing a bunch of fun stuff this season. I'm looking forward to it. This but I good. think uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm glad we finally got to do it. We had a couple of weeks where we were just going back and forth. And finally got it to work out. And I think a WBC preview was great to start it off. This is going to be fun, man. So I got Team Japan. He's got the United States. And with that, thank you, everybody.